This is the Pitchfork Review. I'm Pooja Patel, the Editor-in-Chief. So all of us here at Pitchfork are in the middle of putting together the site's annual Best of the Year list, which is both very fun and a sometimes heated process for our staff. On last week's show, you heard a battle royale around some of the tracks that we love and that are up for consideration. Today, Reviews Director Jeremy Larson and Features Editor Ryan Domble are back to duke it out around some of our favorite tracks by genre. And then later on the show, Devendra Banhart will join us to talk about his dream collaboration. Okay, so it's time to enter the proverbial Thunderdome on 2023's best club bangers, indie pop, rap collabs, and more. Ryan, welcome back. Hey, I'm back in the ring. And <laughs> you know what? I had a pretty good week last week with these very meaningful song battles in this podcast. So if you ask me, it's only downhill from here, baby. (laughs) Jeremy, how are you feeling? Who's the team that always plays the Harlem Globetrotters? The Washington Generals? Mm -hmm. Feeling like the Washington Generals of the podcast. Mm -hmm. Just getting smoked up and down the floor, ankles breaking. Maybe your luck will turn around. Maybe. We'll see. Okay, well... I feel like we need to start with our disclaimer, which is that these are fun little debates between friends and colleagues and editors and music fans. No, wrong. That's real. (laughs) This is so real. Nothing is ever more real than this game that we're going to play right now. So there are a lot of opinions that go into the making of the year-end list, but these are the kind of discussions that we have amongst ourselves as a staff. It's kayfabe. It's real and fake all at once. So anything that was released after around December 1st of 2022 is eligible here. And there are no biases in this room. Oh, none, none, none. And, and there is no power dynamics it's at the, play. It's all the same status here. Like, I will not buy anyone a coffee if I win afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's start with Sugary Pop. I would say these are dance pop songs. I have new jeans, super shy. Super shy. I have Troy Sivan's Rush. I'll go first. So this was the debut single from his latest album, Something to Give Each Other. And from the opening seconds of the song, I kind of knew it was going to be great. It opens with that chorus of men, the kind of like village people, sort of (laughs) husky sailor boys uh, doing a little chorus. He recorded it to try to capture the moment in the pandemic, like in between lockdowns in Melbourne to try to capture that energy of being able to like go back to the club again. There's some amazing production flourishes in it. The music video, I could go long about the music video. Halfway through it, (laughs) the camera sort of zooms in through a glory hole into (laughs) Troy Sivan's face. Cinematography. Which is, it's cinema. It's what Martin Scorsese would call cinema. Mm -hmm. And I think that sort of gets at the hedonistic pleasure principle principle of mm-hmm. this song, which I think is diametrically opposed to New Jeans' Super Shy. Yeah, it's interesting that you have, like, the shirtless boys marching, and I have the cutie girl squad yeah, yeah. <laughs> over yeah. here. 
Yeah, I think I've revealed myself to be someone who is both pro-club and pro-vibes. And yeah. <laughs> that's your platform. <laughs> that's my platform. And... Something that I love about this song is that the beat, it has like a waterfall effect, you know. It is mm-hmm. something that you can see playing out in a high-energy dance set. And it is also something that you can take a shower to or have a spa day to. You know, it does both of these things at once. I also really love that this is like a K-pop girl group, relatively unknown in the States. And the fluidity between like the English and the Korean is so smooth. Mm. I mean, this is something that I really loved about the Yeji album, too, is that the vulnerable parts of the song are whispered in Korean. So there's, you know, there's this girl that's being coy and sexy and seductive, but mostly coy is being like, I'm super, super shy. And then switches to Korean for a second where she's like, I'm so nervous. I don't know why I'm so nervous. Mm-hmm. And it is such a cutie ESL thing where like vulnerability is an anger and like all of your highest emotions come out in your native language. Mm. They're going to only rise. I can see them getting Blackpink level if they continue down this path. The EP was so strong. Well, <laughs> Donald, if you're having trouble deciding, a Detroit Savan video does feature a man smoking weed out of a banana. So <laughs> if that's wow. like the final sort of tip you need uh-huh. over the edge. Interesting. Well... I'm going to give it to Super Shy. Not at all because Pooja's my <laughs> boss or anything. Another win for Pooja. Well, so. And another loss for sexual revolution. <laughs> what are you going to do? Okay, so let's go to the next set of songs. These are indie anthems. These are Pitchfork Core. These are some of our favorite indie songs of the year. Dommel, what do you got? Yeah, so I've got Wednesdays Chosen to Deserve. And I've got Big Thief's Vampire Empire. These are two really similar songs. Both of these songs have a very large country influence. Uh-huh. Uh, both of these songs almost like tell a story in a way. And yet only one, <laughs> only <laughs> one. Only one will emerge. That's the spirit. Only one has what I would categorize as a monster riff. And that is Chosen to Deserve. You will not hear a better rock riff this year in any genre or style. (laughs) Um, This is basically the best Tom Petty song of the year as well. Um, And just for a little background, Wednesday is an Asheville, North Carolina band led by Carly Hartsman. MJ Lenderman is the guitarist. They happen to be a couple. And this song is... Kind of like the most heartwarming, like down home, almost like wedding vows song to me. Carly is talking about all of the shit that she's done in the past that she's probably like not super proud of, such as <laughs> throwing up like in her parents' house on a weekday, like as a teenager after drinking a lot. She kind of goes through this litany of like, this is who I am. Like, this is my past. 
And then the kicker line is, I'm the girl that you were chosen to deserve. It's like really sweet in a way. And then MJ Lenderman and Carly like play the riff, which is basically the hook of the song. And to me, it's like Carly's singing these things on the verses. And then MJ Lenderman, the riff is his like, I do. Uh So yeah, it's a really sweet song. It is such a sweet song. I love that song. Hard to argue with it. But um, did that song have a TikTok controversy? (laughs) Oh, it didn't. Interesting. Because vampire. Well, I'm sorry. How often does an indie band undergo like a TikTok controversy? Let me just lay this out for you. What I love about Vampire Empire, not only is it written by one of the best bands going Big Thief, but it kind of underwent a transformation. And it was first premiered on the Colbert show. People loved it because it's a terrific song, like right off the bat. But it also had like alternative lyrics in it. It had different lyrics from the lyrics that would eventually appear on a seven inch. And there are people who love the Colbert version. There are people who love the recorded version. I'm not quiet, you've been quiet, just receiving what you said. Reeling, feeding, feeling filled by everything you fed. I see you as you see yourself through all the books you read. Overwhelmed with guilt and realize. And is there a better songwriter going right now than Adrian Lenker? Like, just like insane pen dragging and breaking the paper as she's writing it. Mm. I think it's fantastic. Her vocal performance on the chorus when she goes like up the octave. I don't know. Is is a band operating at the peak of their powers? They're in the zone. I'm not going to win this thing, so I'll just say, like, I didn't win right now. Go ahead. Just give it to Donald. It's fine. Okay. Great song. They're both great songs. They're both. I want It's all fake. I <laughs> um, I got to give it to Donald. Thank you. Thank you. Shall we move on to the next? Yeah. All right. So this next setup is Rap Collabs. Ryan, what do you got? I've got The Hillbillies by Kendrick Lamar and Baby Keem. I ain't even got a fact check. All I'm wearing is Wells Barner. Feeling good, I might wear no... Matter of fact, let's stay platonic. I just fucked. Ain't that ironic? You could pick the bunker bed. Either way, I'm a wantsome head. Messy lid through me. Jeremy, do you want to tell us who you've got? Yeah, I've got Mike and Wiki um, off their Alchemist-produced album, and the song is called Mayor's a Cop. I know we call your bluff, no off nights, jaw tight, on the move for my blood, we hardwired. And son, you could do it for hype, it's all right, all while we gon' do it for love, not titles. So here's what I like about the Mike and Wiki song. It's a real collab where they're like trading fours. And that's not something you really get a lot from rap these days. Like you've got it on like Jay-Z and Biggie's Brooklyn Finest or like Kanye and Jay-Z on Gotta Have It, like a lot of Method Man, Red Man songs. But there's something really incredible about this album. The whole album is Mike and Wiki collab. And they sound so good together. Like Mm -hmm. it really gets at that like classic New York sound where you have two distinct voices 
Wiki's pitched up a little higher, has a little bit more energy. Mike's a little let down low, and it's sort of like the counterpoint to that. We really in it, deeper than rap lines, it's bluffing, and make my brain dissolve in evil pastime. Even so, Jesus, no, I needed that lie. Weeded out my ego, but no, he can't lie. It's a really terrific portrait of two of the best underground rappers in the city working, like, really well together. Not, also, Mayor's a cop. Also, Eric Adams is a cop. Yeah. And yeah, not from New York. Factual. Yeah, I really love that song. And I think you're right, like, as far as it bringing New York sensibility. And I guess you could say, you know, the Hillbillies is kind of the other coast. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, totally. the, the L.A. thing. This is a true collaboration, like, rap collaboration. I feel like nowadays so much stuff is, like, don't over email or, or Zoom or whatever. Um, but you can tell, like, in both of these songs, they were, like, in the same room, figuring these songs out at the same time, playing off of each other. I would say that the Hillbillies is just more playful. And those are some of my favorite, like, rap collaborations. You know, you think of, like, the De La Soul, Tribe Called Quest, Beastie Boys. Like, this seems to be in that kind of lineage. We Let's stick out Jimmy and see what we can catch. Stick them up, stick them up, Jimmy. Next. Like going back and forth, finishing each other's sentences. And at the end of the song, not only do they finish each other's sentences, but like each time they do, it's a joke. That's a deep, 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 deep ocean. That's why say she's celibate. I'ma keep hoping. She's not. Chuddy say she knowing me. I'ma be open. I'll try. And the production is by Evil Gianni, who I've already said on this podcast is the best rap producer of 2023. And this is another reason why, like, this is a club rap song, but it does something a lot more original than, like, all the other club rap songs that are just jumping on this trend. It just feels like of its own world while utilizing that beat. And it also works in a Bon Iver sample, which is a super played out. <laughs> Double like, gold. <laughs> well, well, no, actually. The silver like, bullet, yeah. No, I, I hear you. Yeah, it's honestly at this point, like, if Justin Vernon is on a, a rap song, I'm kind of like, why? <laughs> like, I'm over it. Yeah. But the sample works really well here, so that's a plus two. But yeah, there's not a lot of songs that you'd have a better time listening to this year. Both great songs. Um, I gotta say, Mayor is a Cop gets it for me. Wow. Okay, okay. Oh, I did. I have Jeremy, so many people to one. thank. So many people to thank. I mean, first, <laughs> I mean, really. Okay, and on that note, we're going to take a little break and we'll be back in a minute. Hi, I'm Lauren Good. I'm a senior writer at Wired, and I'm co-host of Wired's Gadget Lab, along with Michael Calore. Each week on Gadget Lab, we tackle the biggest questions in the world of technology with reporters from inside the Wired newsroom. We cover everything from personal tech. Because asking people to put a computer on one of the most personal and sensitive parts of your body is just like, it's a big bet. Broader trends in Silicon Valley. There are just so many laid off workers out there that workers just don't have a lot of power. And the exciting and terrifying world of AI. It's inevitable that the internet is going to be filled with like AI generated nonsense. And so he just thinks he might as well make some money playing a small part in a thing that he sees as unstoppable. Wired's Gadget Lab is here to keep you informed and to keep it real. The entire point of the phone should be on some level to hate it. (laughs) (laughs) New episodes of Gadget Lab are available weekly wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, we're back. And this next matchup is R&B crossover pop, let's say. Yeah. And I am going to take Victoria Monet's On My Mama. You can't touch my back. 
Dumble, what do you got? I've got Tinashe Needs. Said I don't like begging, but I'm on my knees. Don't be a tease. Grab them keys after party in between the sheets. Top plus shorty in a penthouse suite. Who wants to go first? Yeah, I'll go. Here's a song from Tinashe's recent album, which is called BB Angel. This is a singer who is kind of famously thrown around by the industry, and now she's doing her own thing. Honestly, a big reason why I like it is because it sounds a lot like the mid-2000s R&B that I grew up loving. It reminds me a lot of this Cassie song, Me and You. Reminds me a little bit Missy, One Two Step. It kind of has that bounce, just makes you want to dance. And there is some innuendo lyrics uh, about bananas, uh, more bananas and stuff. Um, She just kind of knows what she wants and she's not afraid to sing about it. She says, eat my pussy boy, don't call me. And yeah, I mean... Wait, sorry, I missed that. What did she she say? She says... (laughs) You heard me. You heard me. Um, She knows what she wants. She's going to get it. That much is clear. My body is a buffet. Eat my pussy boy, don't call me. And yeah, just this kind of confidence like oozes off of this song musically, lyrically, the singing, dancing, total package R&B track. What I love about this matchup is that these are two singers who have like kind of been a little underrated in the industry. Mm -hmm. They've had like a critically acclaimed hit or two between them, but... I feel like they are really, really reliable songwriters and performers that have just kind of like never seen a ton of chart or mainstream success. Victoria Monet wrote for Ariana Grande. She wrote Mm -hmm. Thank You Next. She wrote for Diddy Dirty Money, Rather Be by Brandy. What I love about Victoria Monet is that I think she's just such a clever songwriter. Mm. And... This feels like quite a simple sing-along hook, but in actuality, there are these little blips and aberrations within each hook that makes it really hard to sing exactly onto. Mm -hmm. Like, you can't ever nail it down. One of the things that I love in this song is she talks about being in her bag, and then in a different version of that line, she says, in my bag, like a grandma with a peppermint. (laughs) Nice, nice. I'm so deep in my bag like a grandma with a peppermint. They say, oh, she smell good. That's just because I'm having sin. Sex game goes stupid. Stopping like a toothpick. Man, I tell the truth. We would be remiss to not talk about the main thing that this hook is based on, which is the 2009 hit called I Look Good by the Texas rapper Charlie Boy, which plays immediately after Monet's sung hook. I was reading an interview with Monet and she says that she wrote this song while dealing with postpartum depression and like how she felt about her body being a mother and thinking about her mother. So on its face, it's this song that is just about like this swaggy girl, ladies as pimps too, you know, and behind the scenes, it's kind of like a self-affirmation. To me, the song is just like a feat of songwriting and production and so clever. And and there are these tiny little things hidden in it that just make me be like, damn, girl, you did it. 
I love any song that like is just indebted to Southern hip hop. So I got to go with On My Mama. Fucking Fair. score. Fair. All right. So up next, we're taking a little bit of a left turn for a avant rock pairing. What do you have, Jeremy? I have Water From Your Eyes' Barley. I've got Mandy Indiana's Pinking Shears. Two incredible songs from two incredible albums. Dama, want to go first? Yeah. So Pinking Shears is from Mandy Indiana's album called I've Seen Away. This is a Manchester-based experimental rock group. There's industrial they're doing. There's post-punk. There's some techno. There's weird rain sounds that sound like they're sampled from Blade Runner, just like soaked in to this like tapestry, um, this album. And Pinking Shears is, I think, the highlight of the record. And it is propelled by this really sludgy instrumental. It's almost like if the Bjork song Army of Me was being dragged through the mud. And that's kind of what the song sounds like. And on top of that is the singer, Valentine Caulfield. Great name. Um, And she's French, and a lot of the lyrics on the album are in French. She has this kind of hissing delivery. It's just menacing. I don't know French, but I can just tell she's pretty pissed by listening Mm. to this song. I looked up the lyrics, like the translated lyrics, and damn, damn it if I wasn't right. Um, (laughs) These lyrics are so good. Like the lyrics are, I'm tired. You don't know how tired I am, which is like, I think we've established this is me. Um, And and like the next line is, this shitty world has exhausted me. And it's like, yes, that is my worldview. Exactly. Um, And, you know, she actually gets pretty deep in this song, which I didn't even realize. Like, she's talking about how the world mistreats refugees, you know, lets refugees drown, like in the Mediterranean Sea. There's another great line. When we choose our refugees, only blondes are allowed in. Those we bombed tell to fuck off. It's like, what? Like, that's... That is the mm-hmm. that is one of the hardest bars like of the year, <laughs> and you know it's in French, so it sounds even more just kind of raw and like she's gonna like bite your your face off, <laughs> um, which again these are all things I'm really into, um, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> this song is a huge middle finger at the world and its ills conveyed in a way that is a little bit obscure it's not a rage against the machine song like god bless god bless them but yeah it comes at it in from a different angle and anger from a different angle i'm on board lyrics are important aren't they (laughs) we've established that here um yeah mandy indiana very powerful song do you know what the lyrics of barley are comprised mainly of um 
You're going to have to remind me. So the lyrics are comprised mainly of the lyrics from Sting's Fields of Gold. Mm-hmm. Okay. The song uh, I sang at my high school graduation. Oh, wow. Yeah. I sang the Eva Cassidy version. Anyway. <laughs> Once again, you're arguing for the song. Just wanted so, to make that clear. Like I said, lyrics are important. Water From Your Eyes is this experimental duo from New York, Nate Amos and Rachel Brown. Nate Amos does a lot of the production on it. And as they were writing the song, Nate turned to Rachel and was like, do you know the song Fields of Gold? And Rachel was like, no. And so they just listened to it and they were like, the song's really funny. So let's just take <laughs> lyrics from Fields of Gold and put it in this song, which is called Barley, which is... Wow. Uh, I all the, the fields of barley. barley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Many years have passed since old summer days among the fields of barley. It speaks to this band's sense of humor. Rachel's delivery is very deadpan. It's very sort of like Kim Gordon. Some people call it college rock. I would call it collage rock. Uh, okay. Because okay. there's a lot of cutting and pasting mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that happens in this song. <laughs> with um, you. Riffs start and then end, get, get moved around. And it's really dizzying. It's very psychedelic. But it, there is something very tongue-in-cheek and unserious about Water From Your Eyes that I really enjoy. Experimental music is often very serious and po-faced, and I think they bring a uh, certain levity to it. Very it's, playful. It's very mm-hmm. playful fun. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I got to say, I love both albums. I love both songs. And the battle here is between, like, anger and, and like, <laughs> and stoned levity. Yeah. Um, I think I'm going Mandy, Indiana. Yeah. For sure. That said, I do need to go back to Barley with this sting knowledge. I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So for our next and final category, we're going to talk about some club bangers. <laughs> the reason I laugh <laughs> is because I'm coming into the ring with something I never thought I would be coming into the ring with, which is a song that includes Fred again, dot, dot, dot. And <laughs> bringing to the table Skrillex, Fred again, and Floden's Rumble. Yo, yeah, that over, smelly aroma. Them done that they long time when I ramp when I skin couldn't wake from a coma. Jeremy, what do you have? So I'm doing Pangea's installation. Pangea is the moniker of Kevin McCauley, who is one third of the label Hessel Audio. Let me start. There was this thing at the beginning of the year where out of seemingly the blue, Skrillex, Fortet, and Fred again, dot, 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 became a performing musical trio. Mm -hmm. To people who have been fans of some combination of these people, it was pretty surprising. If we're talking Fortet, he is like a god amongst dance music and electronic music heads, right? Critics' choice. You know him for his taste, right? Yeah, and and you you kind of like seed ground to Fortet. Mm. Skrillex became extremely popular in the early 10s with the boom of dubstep and EDM. And you think about him and you think about, like, what if Electronica was punk rock and, like, screaming its face off Mm -hmm. in your direction. Then you've got Fred again, who feels like hipster house. I don't don't mean to be, like— 
disparaging. I think it's just like he makes like extremely accessible yeah. dance music. Sunday morning kind of overly sentimental. Yeah. And so part of the whole appeal of this song is that they did this show in Madison Square Garden. Unlike anything I've ever seen, basically like the equivalent of a folding table sitting in the middle of the floor. The stadium is packed. The lights are off. It's all lasers and smoke and three guys jumping around. Like, (laughs) truly, that's it. And when they dropped the song, the song opens with the phrase, feel the rumble. And you we did feel the <laughs> rumble. Like, Lord, did we? <laughs> like there is this like subterranean level of bass in this song where it is like helicopter blade style, like bass chops. <laughs> then you get like the cocking of a gun. You hear a tiger growl. It's almost like club music, but make it camp. There's a cartoon element. Yeah, totally. And I mean, even the like visual imagery float in is this grime MC who is from this London bass crew called Roll Deep and has affiliations with Hyperdub amongst others. He's an OG, like he's mm. older, he's established and he's like cutting through with this like sinister growl. Amazing voice. Incredible. And it just like is the perfect complement to this atmosphere where you can feel the ground shake. And having seen this song live where they were just like playing it back, these three kind of in varying levels of fame icons of electronic music are losing their fucking minds. Mm -hmm. I was like sitting in my seat laid back being like yes. (laughs) Like (laughs) like, roll over me. Yeah, I I think that Fortet has a lot to do with this year's and sort of kind of the last like 18 months sort of like resurgence of like club songs. Mm -hmm. Pangea and Hessel Audio are not exactly known for like songs for the proletariat. Yeah. Yeah, they're a little more heady techno, not exactly floor filler stuff, but like this song, it feels like a Eurodance song. It's so good. Like it feels like <laughs> too unlimited. Yeah. And then also, have you considered Bum Bum S.O.S.O. Mm-hmm. as a head empty thing that you walk around <laughs> singing to yourself, Bum Bum S.O.S.O. Also, in support of this song, I would also encourage everybody to check out these two <laughs> meteorologists from the Susquehanna branch of the fo- local Fox News. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh huh. Now, this is on Pangea's Instagram. There's just these two really, really nerdy younger white guys talking about the weather, and they're talking about the, how it's heating up and it's summer. Not a big summer guy. I know it's controversial. Really? Yeah. Typically, I'm a more of a fall guy, so. When it gets up in these temperatures, I usually just try and stay inside. Fair enough. I'm just spending all my time listening to what I find as the track of the year, music-wise. So, installation. Joe, you know what I'm talking about. (laughs) Well, hey, don't go away. We'll be right back after this show. Anyway, we'll be right back. And it's just wild that it's just like a local Fox News. Just like this one guy, like, shouted out a very niche... like club song that was honestly like a huge hit in European festivals. And Mm -hmm. if you went to any dance club, I'm sure you heard some version of this this year. Uh, But yeah, this is probably my favorite club song of the year. We're staring at you, Ryan. Wow. So I am kind of biased because I was at that (laughs) Skrillex concert. So, I mean, I have to go with Rumble. All respect to Pangea and that news person. 
I'm desperate to get back to that feeling, mm. basically. The yeah. January 2023 anything is possible mm-hmm. feeling of like seeing that kind of joy. Yeah. Okay, well, it has been fun chatting. Shall we do a little tally of how we ended up? Spoiler, I won. Oh, who would have guessed? <laughs> it wasn't biased? No, and again, it's fake. Well, Jeremy, you did win I did, some. I did time. get a number on the board. Not numbers on the board. A number. You were both winners to me. Oh, thanks. You know who the real winner is? Who? Music. Well, I was going to say the real winners are stay tuned for our list of the top 100 songs of oh, 2023, yeah. you know? It's very true. I'm very excited to read that. I, too, am excited to read that. Thank you so much for being here, Jeremy. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you, Ryan. Thank you. This was fun. The Oscars are almost upon us, which means now is the time to start catching up on all of the buzz from this year's award season. I'm Katie Rich. I'm one of the hosts of Vanity Fair's Little Gold Men podcast. Every week, we cover the ups and downs of the Oscar race, from Barbenheimer to the Golden Globes controversy, and much more. We also have weekly interviews with some of the year's biggest contenders, like Emma Stone, I mean, that's how you know you really love and trust and respect someone is that we can absolutely fight. Paul Giamatti. It's like, holy f***. <laughs> he just nailed the <laughs> out of that. Sorry. And America Ferreira. It's like yeah. people standing around for hours just waiting to, like, be a part of this cultural moment. Whether you're a Hollywood insider or just want to win your office's Oscar pool, listen to Little Gold Men, available on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening now. In September, Devendra Banhart released his new album, Flying Wig. It was produced by Welsh avant pop auteur and pitchfork favorite, Kate Lebon. As a review for the album notes, the Venezuelan singer-songwriter's 11th album tackles grief and melancholia with the kind of endearing eccentricity only he can. Devendra joined us from his home in L.A. to tell us all about his dream collaboration. Hello, Pitchfork. My name is Devendra Banhart, and this is my dream collaboration. I've chosen Maki Asakawa. There's not a lot of information about this person. You can't even find their records on Spotify. There's no book about her that I've found. Her obituary is just a few paragraphs. Why did I choose Makia Sakawa? It's a connection that was born long ago. It goes back decades. It was Andy Kabrick from Vetiver who found her second album, Maki 2, in a bin not in but under the clearance section for about five bucks. And we were due to rehearse that day, so I was already at his place when he got back with the album. We put it on, and I was just totally bewitched, entranced, enchanted, transported. The first track is called Nemuru no Ga Gowai, which means I'm scared to sleep. couldn't even figure out what genre it was. It's a bit of country, a bit of Dixieland cabaret march. 
some sad jazz, mournful torch songs, experimental dirges. There's this total psychedelic dreamlike quality to all her albums. And then, of course, there's her voice. It's so strong, so confident, yet so sorrowful and resigned. I could feel something that felt like the freedom of total surrender, the music of oblivion. There's a song called Aisa Naino, which means love inside, that is the coziest sound. It's the most warm, inviting sound I maybe have ever heard. I put that on and it completely changes the environment that I'm in. The song that we would work on together would actually be a cover of Hey Govinda, Hey Gopala by Jagjit Singh. This is a Krishna Bhajan, so it's an ancient song, ancient chant. So in a way it's a cover. Woven into I Want Candy by Bow Wow Wow, which is itself a cover. That's what we would do. It would sound like a hymn made of soft stone and the sound of thunder, but it's actually horses running in the distance in slow motion. It'd be pure dream time, shadow time. That's all thanks to Maki Asakawa. My connection with Maki goes deeper than just being a mega fan. We actually almost got to meet, and the plan was, of course, I was going to beg her to collaborate. On January 17th, 2010, I was in Australia about to go to Japan and two friends had arranged for us to meet. It was on the day she died. She died on that day. And I remember sitting on the sand in Australia getting that text. Thank you for letting me talk a little bit about Maki Asakawa. This shit's hard to find and we think everything's digitized. Everything's available. It's not. This is an example of that. I just hope that more of her can be shared with the world and maybe, I don't know, maybe this could contribute to that. The Pitchfork Review is a production of Condé Nast Entertainment. Mark Yoshizumi, Elia Einhorn, Katie Lau, and Madeline Campbell at 3DBR are producers. Brian Domble is our showrunner and Jessica Gramulia is our music supervisor. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.